seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. Now they're exaggerating. And so we seemed to them. I need to capture a little bit more in this chapter, even though there are just a few things I'm going to lift in the message. But I want you to capture it. Verse 1, chapter 14. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land? To fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then, last verse, all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. Powerful story, which really communicates one big idea and one huge lesson, and that is who we're listening to, what report we're buying into. Every single day, there's no avoiding it. You got blogs and newsletters you can subscribe to. If you're, if you're interested in receiving our weekly updates, just click right here. We just need your name and email. If you've got Facebook pages that you've liked and now you're following, if you've got Instagram stories, if you've got any sort of a news feed where you're, you're taking in information, you're taking in reports, those reports are saying one thing or another. And here we got an interesting scenario because Caleb at this point is 85 years old at this particular point in God's dealings with his people. He's not a young lad anymore. He's old. You would think this would be the time where he would be retired. He would want to say, it's, it's done. I'm going to hang the jersey. I've put in my time. It's time for these youngins to start running for the Lord in their day and age. But he's like, no. In fact, at the time where you would, you would think, I ain't knocking you. I wouldn't fault you if you wanted to just sit back and play golf or travel or Just do whatever you wanted to do. It's like, no, he's thinking of new battles to pick up, new wars to fight. That's Caleb. Here he is at this stage in his life. And what's interesting is this isn't the first time that God gave this promise to these people. It's been about 40 years from the time that Caleb received the promise as far as entering into the land to where now God is preparing them with this reconnaissance into this land 
with their chance to be able to acquire the very land that he himself had promised to them. It's arrived. And it's it's at this point where the people have the chance after 40 days to receive word from these 10 spies, these 10 men that are given the privilege and the responsibility, the task to go into this land. And here they come back with this report. But what's interesting is, is not everybody's story is the same. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? We can go to the same church, but once we get to know each other a little bit more, we find out, it's like, wow, I didn't know you believed that. I didn't know you saw things that way. So, wow, I'm glad I didn't pull the ring out. It's like, you believe that? It's like, wow, that's what they teach? It's like, yeah. The same God could send them out. It's interesting that they could see the same things at this land, but come back with an entirely different report, which tells me and you what? tells us this. What distinguishes Caleb and jo- and, and what distinguishes Caleb and Joshua from all the rest of the spies is not so much what they saw, but how they saw it. And that's true for us even today in our day-to-day lives. That what distinguishes one child of God from the other, one follower of Jesus from another follower of Jesus, is not that you got one set of groups encountering one set of challenges and another not. We may well be running into the same thing. We may well be seeing and encountering the same sort of obstacles week in and week out in the same world that each of us have to live in. But we both come back with a different story. It's how we see it. Here, in this particular passage, we start off in verse 27 with, this, with these spies coming back, and they say something very interesting. They say, and they told them, speaking of Moses and Aaron and the congregation, they tell them something. What do they tell them? They tell them this. They showed them the fruit of the land, and so they say, they start out with something positive. There were good things that were found in this land. They, they came back with a token, a sign, a symbol of something positive on this other end. But that's not the whole story, you see. It's not so much that they couldn't see good. Sometimes it's not so much that the people that we relate to, or even ourselves, it's not so much that we don't see good coming from following God. We don't see a benefit that's associated with giving our lives to God. So then what is it? It's this. Verse 27, verse 28. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Apparently, they had a chance not only to be at this land, but to actually encounter who actually still lives and occupies this land. And when they began to see them and size them up with themselves, they noticed there was a difference. They noticed that these people look bigger than us. These people have something going on with them. They called them giants that we don't have. I know God told us to go in and take this land. I know God told us it's already ours before we even took it. I know God promised to be with us. I know God never lies. But man, are they sure big. Man, are they sure giants. We saw the people. Not only did we see the people, we also saw fortified cities. 
we saw these large buildings. What's interesting about this is you may not get it just by reading it on its surface. And so when he says fortified cities and large buildings, what he's saying is you wouldn't have a fortified city unless those people had enough time in their lifetime to be able to build it. Those fortified cities and buildings represented years, decades. They didn't have the kind of equipment you and I have in our day and age when we start building up storefronts and houses. Just imagine for one moment in this ancient Near Eastern period, the amount of time and labor and energy and toil it must have taken to be able to build fortified cities and large buildings. And so they're looking at it and they're saying, this is going to be important. Man, if these buildings exist that our eyes are looking at, it must have taken years. Which means there's no way they're going to go away anytime soon. Why do I say that? Because you and I may not have a land to look forward to per se. You see, for you and me, it may not be giants in terms of people per se. For you and me, it may not be fortified cities or large buildings like in their case was literally the situation. So then what do we have to deal with? We got attitudes. We have mindsets. We have perspectives. You see, this land that they physically had to journey through all takes place with you and me here. You and I have taken a trip like the spies. Every day we take trips down memory lane. Every week you and I have to play out this battle, this reconnaissance in our head. Every single one of us has this in common. And it's not 10 of us, it's all of us. But the question is, after we take that trip in our head, with our mindset, with our attitude, with our spirit, what sort of a report do we come back with? You see, for some of us, we think, man, we come back with grapes. We come back with good things. Like, man, that was a good service. Man, thank you for inviting me to that conference. Hey, that book you bought me and sent me, I read it. <sighs> a lot of good stuff in there. In fact, I even tweeted some of it out. Hey, that YouTube video, that sermon, <sighs> killer. But what happened? But, what does he say? We saw the people in the land, verse 28. However, it's like, I'm not knocking the YouTube video you gave me. I'm not saying anything wrong about that service. Man, that worship was wonderful. I got something out of the word, actually. Those people of yours, good people. That message, wonderful. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. In other words, those fortified cities, those large buildings, in other words, I'm not saying there's nothing good out of what you're trying to tell me. I know you love me. You mean well. But you got to understand, it's been a long time since I've begun thinking along the lines that I'm thinking. you got to understand, if I really told you how long I've been harboring these thoughts, how many years I've allowed this addiction to be in my life, this fortified addiction, how large I've allowed these thought patterns and these beliefs about myself to be built one story upon another. I mean, it's, I've, I've got years on you, and here you are coming to me with this one word. 
I've got these, these thoughts and these addictions and these patterns of destructive thinking, this depression and these lonely thoughts that I've had got years on you. Are you sure you want to try me? Are you sure you got a good report, good enough that will reverse my situation? You see, they got intimidated. They went into this place. It wasn't that they didn't see what God told them. It's what they allowed to see above and beyond what God told them. A lot of times, I deal with, we deal with a lot of people. We see a lot of people come in and out of church, in and out of the faith. We see people open and close their Bibles. We see people come around God and come around the faith. It's not that they're not hearing you. Sometimes it's not that I'm not hearing the preacher, even me. It's just that I know what I've lived with. That's the thing. I know that. And the trouble is being able to get to the place where I'm capable of actually believing far more in the report that you're giving me than the one that I've lived with all these years. And so here they were at this place, struggling with believing all over again in God's promise. But you know how, God, how good God is? He sends Caleb's. God says, because I know that's how many think who get exposed to my promises and my truth and my love and all that I'm prepared to do in delivering them and breaking their bondages and lifting yokes, I send Caleb's. I make sure that that may be a report that's circling around, but that's not going to be the only report. I may not be able to control what Zuckerberg and Facebook are doing, circulating a lot of the information that's going out. But one thing we can do as Christians is provide an alternative report with our platforms. Suspend me if you got to. But I'm going to use the platform as long as I can to be able to bring an alternative report. Because if that's all they're hearing, if that's all they got, they're headed nowhere. You see, God is less concerned with us taking care of all these other reports than he is wanting us to say, but what do you have to say? Do you have a good report? I'm glad Caleb is here. Because he says here in verse 30, but, but, you know what the word but means. It means whatever came before is about to be negated. I don't care what they're saying. So I heard that. He's like, ah, I was there too. I was in the land too. I saw what they saw. It's not so much what you see. It's how you see it. Okay, they gave you their spiel. Now hear me. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Sometimes that's what we need to do. It's like, you're not helping them. You're not helping them. They can't do anything with that. You're just, in, you're just fueling more and more fear. He says, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we see in it are of great height. It came at him. This is the battlefield right here. The battlefield. It doesn't matter where you are at. 
Maybe you're somebody who's struggling in areas where you're thinking, I don't see how. I mean, after all, in their case, they said, look, why did he even take us out? Uh, Chapter 14, verse 2. What would that we had died in the land of Egypt? Would that we had died in this wilderness? Would that I had never been a Christian? Would that I had just stayed where I was when I first heard the message and said, no, thank you, but no thank you. Would that I had just remained in my non-Christian self. Would that I had never stood up and shared my testimony. Would that I had never raised my hand that time that they told me to raise my hand if Jesus did anything for you. Would that I had never started the Christian life to begin with. That's where they're at at this point. Things have gotten to the place where they're at this place where they're thinking, wait a second, the leeks and the, and the garlic in, in chapter 11 and the melons and, man, that was good back there in Egypt. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you prepared to look at that and overlook the bondage and the slavery that you were under? Sometimes we want to look at, man, it was good. I was making money like you wouldn't believe when I was selling dope and when I was doing drugs. Really? Okay. And then how, how about all the times you had to look over your head? How about all of the times that you couldn't live in certain parts of town? How about all of the times that you couldn't go certain places out of fear for your life? How about all of the occasions where you were this close to being not only confiscated, but taken in to do years. Oh, but we don't want to look at that part. We just want to look at this part. Oh, man, it was good when I was working for this company, when I was up to this scam, when I was living in this way. But we conveniently cut out, we crop out, we cut, we cut out the parts of our life at that time that were ruining us and just want to look at the parts that we thought were doing us good. And that's what they were doing. They're like, God was better off just leaving me with my non-Christian self. That's the report. God was better off leaving me right where I was. When I look at what life is like right now, why? Because they got responsibilities. Yes, God promises you the land, but you've got to take it. Yes, God promises you that you're going to look like Jesus, but you've got to grow up In the fear of the Lord, you've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who's working in you to take that land, his good pleasure, but you've got to work it. You see, but we don't want to hear that part. And that's what God is trying to call them to do. They see the land. They see the potential. They see the promise. They see what good could come out of it. But at the same time, they realize what it's going to mean from them. And I fear that that's probably the obstacle that stands in your way and in my way as this generation. We're adulting, aren't we? And there's a lot of fear that comes with adulting because right now you're in a a transition where you're gradually weaning yourself away from life as you've only known it to where you're going to be a full, independent person where everything and everything that goes on is going to rest upon you and your choices. That could be a little intimidating, Some of us are entering into intentional dating relationships, and you're wondering, man, I better do this right. She better be the one. He better be it. I hope I'm making the right decision. I see the land. I even came back with some good things on a couple of dates. I got some fruit. It's looking good, but I know there's more to a relationship than this, and I'm not sure when I'm seeing the whole picture. 
I'm not sure I'm seeing everything as far as the extent of this relationship. I'm afraid. And it's very tempting to want to come back to yourself with a bad report. Some of us are transitioning out of university to our professional careers, and we've never done this. This is the first time. Others of us have track records that are still chasing us. We're coming out of it. We're recently saved. We're, we're newly saved. But if the truth be told, we've, we've got a history. And here we are, the first time in our lives, trying to do right. But it's a scary thought, isn't it? And the temptation is, I could lean in and pursue the unknown and believe God for it, or I can go back to what's comfortable and resort to what has always worked for me and choose to just act like there were no consequences with those choices. And I'll just conveniently look at the good part. Like when the alcohol finally hits and you feel like you've escaped reality and you feel like you could just do anything without any sort of consequences and you just laugh at everything and all of life just looks light and all of the responsibilities and everything put on you, you don't even have to worry about it. It's just a wonderful place, isn't it? But then you're also missing out on how people have to view you how people have to see you. You're missing out on where that alcohol could take you, who you could land with, what sort of choices you could make that are irreversible, what sort of way you're going to wake up the next day. It's convenient, but is it worth it is the question. How about those of us who are beginning to have children or if we want to have children, it's like I'm hearing a lot of bad news out there. People tell me, hold off as long as you can. Don't do it. They heard a bad report. The people are large. They're giants. They're strange. I don't know how they breed them the way that they do. The cities are fortified. That speaks to the towns. The schools out there aren't, aren't that all that good. I hear what they're teaching these kids these days. I wouldn't bring a kid into this world in these times. Yeah, during Moms and Pops Day, I would have had kids, but not now. I'm afraid. No, fortified cities, large buildings. I ain't having kids. I may get married, but I ain't bringing one into this world. Why? Because I'm scared of what they're going to do to this kid. And I'm not sure my God is going to have my back and help me and be with me to raise this child. And so we got a report to listen to. Are we going to hear the the majority or are we going to hear the minority report? I heard this. Neb, what you doing getting married? If I were you, I would wait. And the pressure was on. We waited because we felt it. I felt it even for years. I could have been married earlier, but the pressure was on. I was scared. There's just certain circles. You got to be careful who you lend your ears to. It just frightened me and Hewitt out of getting married, at least for the next two, three years before we got married by 26. And the reason we chose 26 is because it weighed on us for a good three years. It's like, ooh, maybe, maybe they're right. They sound good. And even, what do they do here? They say, they even give data to try to give it a little authority. Verse 29, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. They're given geography. The Hittites, the Jebusites, they're naming them accurately. Then people start sending me, texting me, emailing me information about, about marriage and the statistics of divorce and what happens when kids, kids get married at this age and what you need to know and what things happen with people who after they get married, what, you know, it's like, ah, it's too much. I hear it. It may be true. But God, what about God? It's, all I'm hearing is one side. There's got to be more than this. And then we push through that. And then, 
And then there was kids. And it's like, what? A child? Okay, you fooled around and you got married. All right, we gave you that. But now you're trying to bring a kid in? You think this is a game? Do you understand what this world is like? Do you know how much money it costs to raise a kid in this day and age? Here's the statistics. Do you know how many meals times how many years? It's like, look, I didn't figure all, I don't, I, I don't figure all this stuff out. I just believe that this is what God wants me to do. I believe that I'm honoring him by going forward and getting married and bringing children into this world and raising them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Do I have all the answers? No. Am I going to encounter obstacles? I'm sure I will. Is this world tough? No doubt. I passed through it myself. But is God with me? Yes. Because greater is he that is in you, spies, than anything that you're going to find in that land. You see? It's not so much what we see. What all those people were telling me all those years growing up in my 20s, it's not so much what they were telling, it's not so much what we saw, it's how we chose to saw it, see it. I saw it one way, they were seeing it one way. They spoke, they advised, they counseled out of the way they saw it, and I made decisions, I made moves, and I took steps based on how I saw it. Is it fear and trembling? No doubt. And I believe that's what God is doing with our church. It's like, are you guys serious? Don't you need to grow a little bit more? Are you sure you can go forward as a church? You realize what's out there, right? I mean, there's a lot of issues out there. People struggling. There's a lot of challenges. There can be a lot of people you're going to run into that are not going to like what you teach and what you believe. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. You're better off just being right where you're at. In fact, you were better off staying where you were. But as soon as you start sticking your head out and wanting to be a leader and take a church in a right direction, you better believe there's always going to be a group that's going to want to speak it down. They're going to want to speak it down. Why? Because of how they choose to see it. Yes, there are challenges. We got depression. We got people dealing with mental illnesses. You got relationships on the rocks. You got marriages that are on the brink of divorce. You have singles that are trying to figure out their life and their direction for their life. You have career men and career women that want to know how to live for God in this day and age where they spend most of their time. You've got couples bringing children into this world wanting to know how do you raise a kid up decently in a world like our own? That's what they were facing. But it's very easy to only see the challenges and not see what God could do with the challenges. It's very easy. And God isn't saying that I want you to turn a blind eye to what's going on in the world. I want you to be informed. They were informed. But the question is, how are you going to interpret it all? Caleb saw it one way. The rest saw it whole, a whole nother way. In fact, they got to this place where it says there in the text, then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night, and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Notice this, verse 4, and they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. It's like, 
we need another pastor. We need another church. We need another page to follow. It's like, I'm not liking what I'm hearing. You see, what's Caleb doing? All Caleb is doing is bringing a positive message. All Caleb is doing is saying, look, I'm not going to let you stay where you're at. Our God is greater. I get what you're telling me. I get the challenges. I see the obstacles. I understand the years that it must have been. I know the hardship. But what I'm here to tell you is if you trust God, he's going to be with you through it all. God's going to be with you. They didn't like that message. They didn't like the fact, what are you saying? you telling people to change their lives? Yes. Are you telling people that there's something more for them, that there's something better for them? Yes. Are you telling people that they don't need to be defined by their past and limited by their addictions or their besetting sins or their struggles of the past, both near and far? Yes. Are you telling people that they don't need to be a hostage to what they see or have seen in their lifetime? Yes. And what does he get in return? Applause? No. They said, we got to stone this guy. We don't like this. You're supposed to get up and allow us to soak. You're supposed to throw a pity party. You're supposed to get us all together and tell us you're right. Stay right there in your room and eat up your food and binge on Netflix and don't go to school. Don't better yourself. Don't get a job. Yes, cheat on her. Yes, don't go home. Don't give your time to your... Are we supposed to give this sort of message? All he's doing is challenging these men and women to be the best version of themselves under God and with God. And this crowd is like, we don't like this message. I don't like what I'm hearing. In fact, let's get another leader because that's what happens. Once I'm not prepared to see the changes that take place in my life, all of a sudden, the voices that I've been hearing, I don't like anymore. It's like, I'm bothered by that. That's legalistic. That's legalism. That's not right. That's not loving. Jesus is love. God is love, but love is not God. Because when love is God, we end up making God in our own image. And therefore, what ends up happening is we're fine with changes taking place in our life and stepping out in faith believing God insofar as we see it the way we want to see it. And Caleb is like, no, I'm not going to allow these people to miss out on what God has for them. You see, it doesn't matter where you are. Perhaps you're dealing with, I've seen people deal with bipolar issues, people struggling with, with mental illnesses, swinging, dealing with hardships. I've seen people struggling in areas of addiction, whether it's substance abuse or pornography. We see people dealing with relationship struggles where it's hard to be able to press through and break through healthy communication and get to another season and chapter of our marriage and relationship. There are those who are disillusioned with their calling and their career and their purpose in life, and they're like, what is going to happen? And they look like giants, don't they? The prospect looks too big, doesn't it? But I'm here to tell you, God's with you. And it doesn't matter what is standing in front of you. That's not the end of the story. That's not your last chapter. God says, you're going to take it. God says, that's the land I told you to get. You're going to get it. And God sent Caleb. God sending me. God sending us into each other's lives to lift each other from where we're at. 
You see, this is why you need the body. Because left to ourselves, we're prone to want to hear only one report. It's all bad. It's all bad. But when we have each other in each other's ear, guess what? It's not that we may not hear that report. At least we got the benefit of having an alternative report. You need to hear that God's with you. I don't know where you're at today. But if you want to see this change, you need a different spirit. That's what I want to end with. You need a different spirit. What was it that stood Caleb out, heads and shoulders, above the rest of these spies? It was this. He had a different spirit. Chapter 14 and verse 24. Chapter verse 14 and verse 24. But my servant Caleb, says God, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. He had a different spirit. The word there is attitude. What sort of spirit do you have? Caleb heard them, but he distanced himself from that sort of report. He didn't allow it to get in him. He didn't allow it to so get into him that it disrupted his call on his life and his purpose for his life. You see, it's important and it's critical who it is that you're inviting into your life. What sort of a report that you're buying into? And if you want to be that person like Caleb, who's able to above and beyond, rise above and beyond the reports all around you, you got to have a a different spirit. The writer of Proverbs in Proverbs 4.23 says this, My son, guard your heart with how much diligence? All diligence. Why? Because from it flows the springs of life. You are going to be who you are as a result of your ability or your inability to guard your heart. Everybody is where they're at presently in their life as a result of how they maintain their hearts all these years. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Caleb guarded his heart. He was able to hear it. I see it in the news feed, but keep scrolling. Keep scrolling. I see it in the story. I see it there, but I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to let it get into my spirit. I'm going to guard myself because too much is at stake. My future is at stake. What God wants to do with your life is at stake. Where you need to still get is at stake. What you still need to accomplish with your life is at stake. The relationships that you still need to form, the places you still need to be with your God are at stake. But you won't get there unless you have a different spirit. You can't buy into the majority report. You need to buy into what God has already promised you. Friend, Jesus has gone forward. And he's been that for us. And he's given us good news. In Jesus is nothing but a good report. He didn't just spy out the land. Jesus left heaven. God didn't send ten spies. He sent one. God didn't send ten spies. He sent one. And Jesus didn't just come and spy out the land and say, yo, it's good. No, 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 no. He came and he lived, and he suffered, and he conquered every single giant in that land. And then he came back to you, and now he tells you, take it. You see, you and I are living not for victory, we're living from victory. Jesus isn't just a spy, he's a savior. Jesus isn't just someone who comes back to you with good news. 
Oh, he does that, but he comes back to you with good news because he is that good news. The giants in our life were our sin. It was death. It was the grave. It was Satan. And he conquered it all out of love for you and for me. And what does he say to us now? He comes back, not with an evil report. He comes back with nothing but a good report. Let us take the land. Why? Because he's blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if you're here today, and all you've been able to see up till now in this season of your life are the giants, the people who inhabit the land, so much so that you've forgotten the promise. My prayer for you today is that you would remember God's promise for your life all over again. That you'd realize that greater is he in you than anything or anyone that is in the world. That the one who began a good work in your life is going to bring that good work to completion. God said, I brought you out of Egypt not to destroy you. I began a good work in Egypt by delivering you single-handedly out of that land. Not so that you can fail miserably here in the middle of this wilderness. He who begins a good work in you is going to bring that good work to completion. That means you're going to get into the land. You're going to see it. You're going to arrive at that place where you're going to find some sanity for a change. Somebody's going to experience some healing for a change. Somebody's going to know something of a norm for a change. Those relationships that you've been hoping, you've been hoping you'd be able to see your relationship get to that point in your life is going to come. That future where you're going to see yourself serving God and living for Him is going to be here. But you've got to stand on God's promise and believe Him enough to where those reports, even though they may be there, they're not going to get to you like they once did. Amen? Let's stand together if we could. Father, we thank you for your word. God, help us to believe the right report. God, give us the grace and the wisdom to tune out who we need to be tuning out. Father, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for everything that we have in Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that whatever may be going on in our culture at large, that says nothing about what you've already purposed to do in each and every one of your children's lives. Thank you that you've got nothing but good in store for us. Thank you that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed to us. Thank you, Father, that all things are working together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Thank you, Lord God, that you are a God who promises never to leave us nor forsake us. You promise to be with us always, even to the end of the age. And that's a promise that every single one of us can hold on to today. Do that, I pray. Would you lift those burdens from your people? However long those fortified, quote-unquote, cities have been around, I pray you start erecting them, Lord God, right now in Jesus' name. May there be a demolishing that takes place. Smash the buildings, Lord God, the constructs that we've allowed to settle in our thinking and in our thought patterns. The patterns of thought, the ways of seeing ourselves and viewing ourselves, Lord God, I pray an end would be brought to. God, I ask, Lord God, that we would begin to see you for a change and that we would stop making sense out of you in light of our lives, in our relationships, in our circumstances. And we would start making sense of our situations in light of who we know you to be. Do this, we pray. 
we thank you. We give you all the glory and trust and believe together today that you are faithful and that you are going to do what you said you would do for your people. In Jesus' name. And everybody gave the Lord a shame. Thank you, God. Praise God. God bless you. Please meet and greet, but before you do, just know we got a conference for those of you who just um, who arrived after the announcement was made. Uh, please mark your calendar. I really need you, you guys. Mark your calendars. Uh, do what you got to do uh, to be able to go on ahead and screenshot this, take, take a picture of it, grab it from the back. Uh, May 31st through June 2nd, Friday 7 p.m., Saturday 7 p.m., Sunday normal service. God bless.